Have you ever wondered, I'm a startup, who am I supposed to talk to? How do I get my face out in front of the crowd? Well, today you're going to find out. This is Entrepreneur's Podcast. Entree, like Spanish for between, pre, like our prepubescent sense of humor, and nerds, like me, Daniel the Retailer. So we have a couple interviews for you today, straight from Startup Week, including Matt from Techstars and Dan, who has his own amazing business helping get people connected to the right developers and things like that. I love Dan. He's a great interview. But you can't hear it first unless you're a Patreon supporter. Check out patreon.com slash podcast and become a Patreon supporter like Rue, Clay, and Muhammad. Why do I keep saying their names? Probably because other people haven't supported us yet. It takes a dollar and you get to hear first. I love you. Show me some love. Here's the first interview. Hey, everybody. It's Daniel, the retailer here, back with... Matt from Entrenito. That's right. So Entrenito Entrepreneurs broadcasting uh, and recording here at Columbus Startup Week. And we have um, somebody who made it all happen and makes it all happen around the world. In fact, this is Matt Helt. He's the global director of Techstars Startup Week. And he is going to tell us how you find out more about Techstars and Startup Weeks in your neck of the woods uh, and a little bit about what that is and what that means to be the global director of Techstars Startup Week. Thanks, guys. Uh, Appreciate you having me on. Um, Yeah, so Startup Week is really a uh, celebration of the entrepreneurial community. So we go into communities just like Columbus um, and help local volunteer organizers. Um, They're really the stars of the show. They put this on for us. Um, But we provide a list of best practices, a playbook, and then the all the platform that they need so that they, you know, all the heavy liftings off them. It's really so that they can just focus on building great content for local attendees. Um, And like you mentioned, we do this all around the world. Uh, Last year at this time, I was actually in Amman, Jordan, doing the first Amman Startup Week, and it was mind-blowing. Just to see how you know startups entrepreneurialism is thriving in places like that not that you know it's it's a terrible place it's actually a really cool place that sure. people just don't know yeah um, but you know the the attendance uh, one of the, the mind-blowing statistics for me that I, walking away from that 50% of the attendees were women oh, wow. oh that's um, wonderful that's so great. you know in most places we see we're starting to see it creep up you know, 35, 40% of the attendees are women. Uh, but, you know, that was a, a great thing to see. Especially when you think about the um, preconceived notions of what the Middle East means for women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they are, just by that statistic alone, they're definitely further advanced than a startup week here. Yeah, uh, because uh, one of the, I remember one of the specific things I uh, tweeted out last year during the event here was there was this uh, women um, entrepreneur uh, founders panel and the whole place was completely full for the people for the the panel right before and then right after it was like half the people left and I'm thinking wow. even if you're not a woman like this is very important to be here yeah. to watch it and to support it and I've already seen just this year it's much different mm-hmm. you know I think people are realizing the value of including everybody at the table and it's great to hear that even in places like Iman Jordan you've got 50% of the attendees uh, being women knowing that this is you know entrepreneurship is a way up and out of wherever you are to become a yeah. better person to contribute to com- community it's great no that's so great and, and that's such a powerful thing too because I, I'm 
I'm curious as far as like the government and how, how things happen, you know, like what's allowed, what's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's things like the dark web. Uh, we talked earlier about going dark, but the dark web, uh, as far as like people think, oh, it's, it, it can be a negative thing, but it can be a positive thing too, because um, certain countries that are, uh, you know, scrutinized as far as freedom of speech, things like that, they use the dark web, the dark net to get messages out to broadcast what maybe you know these fascist leaders or things or different ones are doing so yeah that's amazing yeah you know and one one so i asked a lot of questions while i was there to our local organizers and i said you know this is an interesting dynamic how are you able to pull this off right um and be so inclusive and get this message out to people who want to participate in startups and the entrepreneurial community and the thing that they said that really struck me was historically there haven't been many opportunities for women uh, to participate, you know, usually they'll work, but if they get married, then they're the caregiver. Um, yeah. uh, but women are seeing the need to work um, and build their own uh, legacy. Yeah. So they see entrepreneurialism as that vehicle. Uh, so they're starting startups. It's, of course, really small, but they're, they're eager to learn. They attend as many uh, programs as possible. And then um, last, last week we were in Omaha for Omaha Startup Week. And uh, I heard, I can't remember the, the uh, panelist that was talking, but something really resonated with me. And they said, why is it that we're leaving 50% or maybe 51, 52% of people out of the economy, right? So why don't, the, if we were to foster diversity, foster women in entrepreneurship, foster uh, minority-led startups, that would grow the economy. That would be, yep. you know, better for everyone involved. So why aren't we doing more to do that? Um, and, and actually, Techstars is, uh, we started a foundation, and uh, the goal of our foundation is to boost diversity in startups. Awesome, I'm taking notes as you're, as you're and, talking. And you awesome. uh, timed your Omaha Startup Week with the shareholders meeting of Berkshire yeah. Hathaway. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, you know, it was, it, it was intentional. We wanted to, uh, at least put it in front of the shareholders who are coming in that startup week is happening. Uh, we had an interesting interaction the other night. Uh, we were eating at a restaurant in downtown Omaha and there was a long table, probably 15, 20 shareholders at the table and you can pick them out pretty quickly. Yeah. White, old suits. <laughs> and hair, uh, yeah. so they came over to our table to ask a, a question and uh, we asked a counter question. We said, are you investing in startups? And they said, no, no way. And he started to back up. And we were like, well, really? why not? And it's too much risk. So when they, when they invest in somebody like Warren Buffett in Berkshire, sure. it's in their mind, it's a win. Right? Sure. They're guaranteed. So it was just interesting to hear this group of very wealthy people who are so incredibly risk adverse. And if we could change that narrative with them and say, yeah, not every single one is going to be a winner. But, you know, if you get that one win, yeah. that far act, you know, yes. exceeds your just one simple investment. I don't think they're there yet, but we need to keep engaging them. Yeah. I think every year we're going to do it so that, you know, it's, it's, it corresponds to the shareholders meetings. And that's huge. Yeah. Wild. I, I, I hear that a lot. And I think just in terms of the level of risk with startups, and I think that there are ways to get around that risk, you know, with the new um, SEC guidelines with crowd equity funding, there's also opportunities for people who are, maybe they have a million dollars to spend, Maybe they give ten startups a hundred, you know, a hundred thousand dollars each to market 
a, a crowdfunding equity campaign. So if each of them raised a million dollars, now you have you spent your million and you were able to use leverage that hundred thousand dollars in each one to raise a million dollars for each of those, to, and maybe only five of them do it. Mm -hmm. But you've spent a million, and now you have five million dollars in just two, three months of crowd equity funding. Right. Um, there's a way to do it smartly. Mm -hmm. As a group or as a fund, I know that uh, part of Techstars is a fund that actually invests in startups. Right. Yep. Yes, you know, in so the you know there's there's three pieces essentially of TechStars. So most people know our accelerators. Uh, right now we have 28 accelerator programs all around the world. Uh, it's either six or eight countries uh, that we have those accelerators in. Um, each accelerator takes in 10 to 12 teams into a cohort. So that's uh, usually they're, they're startups that. Uh, have traction. They're not very, they're not necessarily nascent, but we're seeing some some real promise in them. Uh, they might have raised a seed round at this point. Uh, maybe they're coming into our program wanting to do a Series A. Uh, so they go through a 90-day program. Uh, it's intense. Uh, it's nonstop. Uh, we really focus on mentorship during those 90 days cool. um, and making sure we're pairing them up with the right mentor. Uh, and then it culminates with a demo day. They pitch to an auditorium full of investors. I mean, our demo days attract hundreds, if not thousands of people. Um, it's really neat to see that. And you look at the bottom floor and it's just all VCs. Wow. Um, and really, yeah, we're just there to, to help propel them. And then our fund, uh, which is the second piece, uh, invests in a lot of those companies. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third piece that we added uh, within the last two years is our startup programs. Um, so that's things like Startup Weekend, which most people have heard about. We do, I think they, they had somewhere over 900 or 1,000 Startup Weekends uh, last year all around the world. We're in 160 countries. Uh, startup Week, which is relatively new, um, but last year we had 47 startup weeks. We had 83,000 attendees over those f just 47 events. Um, so we're going to continue to grow that. We'll probably be at 60 this year. Um, we're going to shoot for 80 or 90 next year. So it just keeps growing and growing. And really the point of it is to int introduce people um, to entrepreneurialism, to startup culture. Mm -hmm. um, things like Startup Week here in Columbus. It's a really easy way for people to just dip their toe in, learn a little bit of information, see if it's right for them or not. Uh, and then, you know, there's other programs we can introduce them to. So if it's, if they're really, really new and they're like, this is, you know, what's going on, they attend a couple of things, maybe a panel discussion, uh, a networking party, um, and just meeting people. Mm -hmm. And then our hope is that, okay, you know, uh, it builds a little bit of confidence and they attend a Startup Weekend. Uh, for people that are not familiar with Startup Weekend, it's a three-day event, starts on a Friday night. You just come with your idea. Like, I've got an idea for an app. I'm gonna, I've got 60 seconds to pitch it to the crowd. And then you form teams around those ideas. So the winning teams, usually it's anywhere from seven, maybe 10 teams that form that night. Uh, and then it's constant go. How do you build your product? You go out Saturday morning and you validate your idea. So a lot of customer validation. Once you get that validation, you have some metrics. Then you start building. And the, you, you build until you hopefully have an MVP and you pitch on Sunday night to... Uh, Judges. Oh, that's sweet. That's wild. It's sort of like the 48-hour um, film competitions, yeah. you know, where people are like, you and you and you are on a team now, and yeah. here's your verb. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the image you have to put together or whatever I've it is. I've done one of those. Yeah. It's really? fun. Yeah, those oh, are cool. a lot of fun. 
And they used to be hard. I mean, I used to do it with a Sony Hi8, you know what I mean? And have yep. to edit it on my Mac, as opposed to now <laughs> I can do everything on my phone. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's so wild. That is so cool. So kind of how did you get to where you are today as far as your backstory? I, I, we always love to talk on Entrenito about backstory and kind of like, <laughs> so here we are sitting at this chilly temperature right now. It's blowing. The wind is blowing. I'm freezing. Everybody else has hoodies on, which is smart, but. Yeah, I knew it was going to be hoodie weather. I'm glad I brought it because uh, in Omaha, when I left yesterday, uh, well, I left this morning, but it was almost 90 degrees yesterday. Really? And it was supposed to be 90 today. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I better check the weather in Columbus. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect for me. I love this temperature. This is great. This is yeah. great. So, yeah, we just love to hear backstory, yeah. kind of how you got involved. In, in um, so, I that. think, you know, I, I always like to go back. I've got lots of years uh, under my belt, so I kind of connect the dots backwards. But really where this uh, kind of came about, um, I was doing, so I've been an entrepreneur. Uh, I owned my own advertising agency um, uh, with, a, with my business partner. Um, and then I left after about two years of that. Uh, while I was there, I, would, I w- had also helped uh, as a co-founder of a, and this kind of sounds funny, but it's actually super cool. <laughs> it's a, hype, it's a um, martial arts lifestyle company. Oh, wow. Um, it's called Hyper Martial Arts. Um, so check it out. It's pretty cool what these That's kids cool. can do. It's like hyper the, martial arts. Yeah, it's it's almost like it. uh, so. There's this underground movement called tricking. Okay. And tricking is like real life video games come to life. These kids, what they can do with their body, like these spins in the air, kick five things while they're spinning. Oh my god! It's just, it's amazing. So I'm learning um, so much already. So cool. can you well, you can back your chair out if you need to do yeah, one of those. We have seven um, microphones no. set up. <laughs> we want you to hit each one. I'm over 40 now and prone to injury. So um, no, so you know, I was I was doing things. I uh, um, very sympathetic to entrepreneurs because I was in that. Yeah. Um, and then I got involved with a. Um, uh, I don't know exactly how to describe it. It's it's kind of like a mini version of TED. It's called the Do Lectures. Okay. Um, it started in the UK and then uh, was brought over to the states. The so, Do. Yep. Just okay. Do Lectures. Um, Not got, to be confused with the Do Do Lectures or the Dew. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Do sponsored lecture. by Mountain Dew. Correct. The, the Do Do <laughs> is uh, sponsored by Sandy John. There you go. <laughs> all the lectures take place inside of a porta job. <laughs> Fun fact. Fun fact. Uh, and it's only 10 minutes long, but it's fine. The, so this is the do lectures. The do lectures, Which yep. are kind of more like a TED Talk than a do-do lecture. Yes. Sure, sure. Yeah. I love but it. What's love great it. about it was it was uh, very intimate. So mm-hmm. uh, 15 speakers, typically 60 attendees. Okay. Um, you came in on Thursday, and you spent your entire time with the speakers, a lot of times you'd sit down for dinner and you didn't know the person next to you was a speaker. And then you'd find out that they made robots at MIT or they uh, were the director of the, you know, the movie Brave. So we had Cheryl Strayed who wrote the book Wild. Um, She came and it was, so we had booked her to uh, be a speaker right before her book blew up. Mm. And she actually almost canceled and said, I have all these press tour, you know, book tour, all yeah. these things. And then she kind of said, well, I think I need a break from all of that. And she came and attended. But that was kind of the caliber of uh, people that you got to spend time with. That's great. Um, so that was a volunteer project for me. And uh, fast forward a couple of years, um, I had produced that event. I went from running their social media to producing the event. Um, and then I was in Boulder, and I was actually interviewing for a job at an organic grocery 
and uh, it was online, um, and I was going to head up their marketing department. So I'm in town. I happen to know the headhunter. He's a friend of mine. Um, and he said, well, while you're in town, I know you're trying to do things for the do lectures. Um, you need to meet this guy. And so he introduced me to Andrew Hyde. Andrew is the, uh, the founder of Startup Weekend, and he's also the founder of Startup Week. So I got invited to a dinner party, um, and I had two choices to make. I could have stayed at my Chicken home. or fish. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is a big decision. <laughs> um, either spend the night in my hotel room getting ready for the interview the next day mm. or saying yes and showing up. So one of the things that I've always found magic around is saying yes to, to just to mm. random things. It's good. The more times you say yes, the more opportunity you create for yourself. Great. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to you know, practice what I preach and I'm going to say yes. So I went up there. Um, Andrew and I got to chatting about the volunteer work I do. I, I did at the Do Lectures, and he said, what do you think about uh, helping me with Startup Week? And I said, well, uh, it sounds interesting because he told me all about it, and it sounded like an amazing thing, um, but I'm actually in town interviewing for a job. And he immediately said, you don't want that job. <laughs> he didn't know the job? Or no, did you well, I just said, it's with this. And oh, he's I like, see. He just said, nope. You I don't. was wondering, I'm like, man, that's you a don't bold want that move. Job. Yeah. And I said, okay. And in my head, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the decider there. Yeah. Um, so the next day, I have the interview, and he was exactly right. I didn't want the job. Wow. Um, so... The day after that, so that was a Wednesday I had the interview. Thursday, I'm driving back to Omaha, um, and I get the call. And it's like, congratulations, you got the job. It was more money than I'd ever seen in my life. Um, and I stopped him in mid-sentence and said, hey, um, I'm not going to take it. And they're like, okay, why? And I listed off all of these reasons, and they, they, there was like this long pause. Maybe it felt like it was a minute, but it was probably 15 seconds. And they said, well, we, uh, that wasn't the first time we've heard that kind of feedback. Really? Yeah. And so I was like, I wish you would have told me. But beyond yeah. that, I, I, you know, I, I had that. Um, the thing that I've used in my career is the gut check. It doesn't seem rational when you're younger. You know, if somebody throws more money in front of you, it's like, take the money. Sure. Do this. Um, it doesn't feel right. I don't care. It's more money. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, when, it, when I... I can kind of just sense it, you know, this doesn't feel right. Don't do it. Um, back away and do what feels right. So I've, I've carried on with that. And that's what led to this job. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Intuition is so huge. And a lot of people, like you said, they don't, they just follow the money or they'll, they'll take a job somewhere and you're like, wait, wait, wait. But, and you're thinking, but wait, it's more money. This, yeah. I'm winning at the American dream. Isn't the American dream to make as much money as possible? Yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. So yeah. And you know, it's it, amazing. It, it just takes a couple of times. Uh, you, you know, I was in my late twenties, uh, when I did jump at the money and it was, you know, the, there was one period where it was the worst six months of my life. Wow. So I had one of those recently, one yeah. of those worst six months of my life, but they paid me more money than anybody else had. Yeah. And you know, I make less money now, but I feel so much happier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, being able to work on my own schedule, work from home. I mean, it's worth so much more to me than uh, being able to go out to eat five more times a week. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Whatever that looks like. Yeah. So when you think about your, we talked about uh, some of the questions we like to ask. And one of them is about mentorship. Mm -hmm. You have been an entrepreneur before. You have um, worked in the entrepreneurial space most of your career. And when you think about mentors, whether it's one that you specifically had or advice around mentors for entrepreneurs, 
what comes to mind? Okay, so there, there, there is, um, there's lots of reasons that I think that mentorship is key. Um, and I've seen it in my own career. Um, you know, uh, there was a, a gentleman not too long ago that was uh, a great mentor to me, and I could just bounce off, you know, ideas off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was great having that kind of, that sounding block. What I've seen for, for startup founders um, is that mentors help you not necessarily, in most cases, you can avoid those those roadblocks. They can help accelerate your learning so that you're not stumbling over something for three to six months, yeah. maybe sometimes longer. They get you over that hurdle much, much faster. Um, and a lot of times, you know, the mentor, they're, they're vested in your success. So they know you've got, you know that they have your back. Um, so I think that's key. Um, also, you just have to lean on that expertise, especially if, if they're a domain expert in what you're doing. Uh, that's invaluable. Yeah. So cool. Great. Um, one thing I'd like to talk about, too, is with Entrenito, our audience, um, we have people from all over, all walks of life. But uh, one, one question we like to focus on, too, is, is um, kind of what would you give advice for? There's, so we have people that are potentially still working a nine-to-five job, but they feel like they're called to this great thing and yeah. they're so excited they have a product or an idea, but they're just so scared to make the jump, you know? So I would love to kind of hear your, your feedback, your thoughts on, you know, what would you say to someone that's that's starting and, and kind of like, what's the next step? What do I do or things yeah. like that? Yeah, so if you are interested in, in making the jump, uh, my suggestion is go to startup community events. Okay. Uh, that's where you're going to meet your tribe. You're going to meet like-minded people um, who support you. So the, the whole reason that we support uh, ecosystems like Columbus is be exactly that. When you see that there's people around you uh, who already have gone through it, who have the knowledge, who will catch you when you fall, because uh, it's a lonely road, you don't want to be out there doing it yourself. You really want to look down before you jump and go, okay, there's people to catch me. Yeah. Um, that's something that we see lacking in a lot of parts of the world. You're lucky if, if you're trying to build a business here in the States yeah. because the culture is such that uh, it supports startups. Um, if you look at a lot of cultures in Asia, uh, if you fail, you're done, right? Yeah. So there's this huge fear of failure. So we're trying to change that narrative. Um, I'm trying to think of anything. You know, speaking of... Uh, what kind of startup communities can really help. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I talked to Krista Campbell about from Rev1 is that Columbus was ranked as last year as the number one startup city in America. So as somebody who has been to a lot of cities mm-hmm. and does a lot of startup weeks, um, why is Columbus the number one startup city? I mean, I can say that because yeah. I live here and I talk about it a lot, but I I don't know any other city startup community wise as deep as I know this one. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that they obviously they have those communities, but why do you think Columbus got that ranking versus say Omaha? If I looked at the metrics and saw what they were evaluating, um, you know, my guess is that there's, uh, there's probably growing venture capital here. Um, you've had some really successful exits. The cost of living uh, is low enough that your burn rate is much slower. Right, so there's still this this um, desire, especially from VCs, when they invest, they say move to the Bay, right? If if you're getting funding from the Bay, uh, move out here because we want to be close to you, right? Yeah. Your burn rate is so much higher. Sure. Um, so so cities like Columbus, like Omaha, like Des Moines, um, 
you can just, you know, it's much more effective. And I'm uh, honestly, I don't understand why uh, VCs don't see that as an advantage. Um, you can you can stretch their money. So yeah, that would that'd probably be my guess. And plus, you know, I've, this is my second time to Columbus, and I think it's it's such a great city. I mean, the people here are friendly. Uh, you look around, and if there's anything you need, you're going to get support. All you have to do is ask. And that's one of the things that, you know, I would say to up-and-coming entrepreneurs, if, you, if you're interested, you know, come to these, these programs, but also don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, if, if somebody's interesting to you, just walk up and introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm working on this. Do you have any suggestions or advice? And most of the time, you know, people are going to be like, yeah, yeah, I can help you. Let me introduce you to this person or, you know. Yeah. That's that's kind of community that you have here in Columbus. Yeah, that's huge. And I feel like life moves at the speed of relationships. So it's mm -hmm. all about relationships. It's all about people. Like A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean... There's no island um, mentality there. Isolations it, yeah, kill, it, will kill you. If you're a founder and you're just trying to operate in a bubble and you don't want to tell anybody your idea because you're afraid that they're going to steal it, you just got to get rid of that mindset. Tell yeah. everyone yeah. about your idea. That's good. Um, start building. If you, if you want to just learn a few things, I highly recommend going to a startup weekend. Um, it's, it's intense, it's fast, but uh, you'll learn a little bit about lean startup methodology, um, which is really the key. Like just getting to a product that, that, that your customer can take a look at, they can validate for you. If it's crap, you can iterate quickly. Yeah, uh, so that's that's important. And it's it, you guys make it so easy as well too. Like this is such a great event. This is my first time, but it you talk about a great on ramp. Like you know, it's just sign up online, mm -hmm. and there was actually food trucks here that yep. were free, free food. I mean, there's so much you have no excuses. And and we say this a lot to different entrepreneurs we've talked to, and different people that I've tried to help get started with the mindset is like, entrepreneurs don't speak the language of excuse. So if I don't speak Chinese, I don't know what you're saying, you know, if you're speaking Chinese to me, but if you're speaking excuses, I don't understand, you know, yep. and not that you don't want to coddle somebody, but you also don't want to crush their spirit. And so there's that balance of like, you can do this, you know, right. when someone says, I don't have enough money, I don't have time, things like that. I'm like, right. I'm sorry, I, there's way too much information available. And I know too many people that had 84 more handicaps than that yes. and have been successful. Right. Uh, speaking of uh, things that can help you, just really quickly, because we've been talking to some uh, of the pitch competition people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is the first pitch competition for Columbus Startup Week. Can you explain what's happening and who's involved? Unfortunately, I can't. That's okay. <laughs> um, I have no idea who's involved. That's okay. Sure. The, well, Mark Vami is one of the um, uh, judges from Drive Capital, one okay. of the venture capitals in fir firms in town. There's a couple other people that I saw on there that I thought, wow, these are like really big names. Yeah. I don't even know where the $50,000 comes from that they're giving away. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure who who's uh, putting that money up. Mm -hmm. um, do other startup weeks have pitch competitions? I know startup yeah. weekends do. But yep. this is the first, because this is only the third startup week we've had here and only the first pitch competition is the only one I've been exposed to at a startup week. I've seen other pitch competitions. But. Yeah, a lot of times the organizing team uh, will partner with, uh, you know, uh, an existing organization that that's all they do is run pitch competitions. Um, I'm trying to think of some that, like 1776, is that, does that ring a no, bell? That's but a anyway, date, that's all I know about that. <laughs> there's a great ones, book. There's okay, ones there you that uh, they, you know, that's what they're do. That that's their bread and butter. They raise sponsorship uh, to be able to do it. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And you know, also one of the great things about startup community is a lot of times these things are free. 
Yeah. Right. So it's it's because of sponsors. So Chase for Business is the sponsor of Columbus Startup Week. Mm -hmm. They sponsor six startup weeks all around the country. Um, so this is the fifth this year um, of that sponsorship. But they do it in Seattle, Phoenix, Dallas, um, Tampa, and Detroit. So the oh, wow. next one coming up is in two weeks in Detroit. And th that's how we make it free is because of partners like Chase. They believe in the startup community. Um, and they understand that if you support it and it, it grows, that helps everyone. Right. Creates jobs, creates more revenue, more yeah. opportunities. That's so great. And it, it's really a mindset of having kind of a liberal mindset of like there's plenty of pie for everyone. So instead of like, like you mentioned earlier about your ideas and like, if you have an idea, like let people know about it and mm -hmm. share it out and, and to shoot holes at things like that, uh, that abundance mindset is crucial. And I find that that's a, that's a hallmark of, of entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know? We've talked to entrepreneurs here today yeah. who are like so close to the vest. I said, how, how do you, how do you think you're going to connect to the right people? If you, as soon as you say your idea to me, I will be able to say, oh, I know these six people that you need to talk to right now. Right. But if you just, he, he won't even tell us if it's an app or a gadget right. or a product, nothing. <laughs> yeah. like, this is not the way to get your stuff off the no. ground. Right. And, it, it, and it, he's been talking about it for two years yeah. and it's not done. So that's the reason because yeah. he can't grow his network fast enough because nobody knows how to, what direction to steer him in. Right. Yeah. If, if, if I'm talking to uh, someone and they're like, well, I, you know, I'd like you to sign an NDA. I, I'm just like, yeah, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's wild. Well, listen, thank you so much, Matt, yeah, for coming absolutely. out and talking to great. us. Again, Matt Held, Global Director of Techstars Startup Week. And again, tell people how they can get in touch with you or learn about Techstars. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple different uh, sites. We have startupweek.co, so that's startupweek.co. Uh, the other one is techstars.com. Uh, if you have any interest in Startup Week or... Uh, potentially, you know, to attend or to run one, just go to startupweek.co. All the information's there. All of the cities that are coming up uh, are on the calendar. So check it out. Thank awesome. you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow. What great information. This guy's traveling the world talking all about tech stars and startups. And I love this uh, concept and how it's expanding. And Columbus is obviously on the forefront of it. What if you wanted to be on the forefront of something? Like podcasting. We use Blueberry.com. That's Blueberry without the E's. Blueberry.com. And we use them for our hosting and for statistics just to kind of feel, figure out where people are coming from. And what we found, we actually have a huge contingent of people in Egypt and Germany and Canada in addition to the people in America watching our show. But I wouldn't know that if I didn't do Blueberry.com statistics. So check it out. If you have your own podcast or want to start your podcast, hosting statistics, blueberry.com, use entrepreneurs as your promo code and you'll get a free month. A free month for using entrepreneurs as your promo code? That's what I said. Here's Dan with the next interview. Hey everyone, Dan the retailer here with uh, from Entrepreneurs. I'm with Matt from Entrenito. And we are again recording here live from uh, Columbus Startup Week and we have a Successful entrepreneur and startup launching engine, according to his online yeah, <laughs> bio. That's true. That's true. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Dan Rockwell, that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. founder and CEO of Big Kitty Labs. So, Dan, tell us uh, where we can find Big Kitty Labs yes. uh, and what people can do to find out about you and that business. Sure. Uh, you can find us anywhere. Kind of like just click your heels together three times. No. Uh, you can find us <laughs> online at, uh, you know, www.bigkittylabs.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, at Fluzy Speak. 
It's a story on that one as well. I had to explain all these names. Um, <laughs> Explaining Big Kitty and Floozy together. Yeah, kind of yeah. yeah. Well, Floozy yeah. was because it was uh, the first blog came out, blogger came out, and I was drinking margaritas with a friend, talking about how blogging was going to be huge. And my <laughs> it's going to be worked, so huge, you guys. Yeah, you, you my friend was Big Night Tea, and he's like, oh, yeah, you just sit there and drink your Floozy drinks. And I'm like, these Floozy drinks are awesome. So then he set up Floozy Speak. Oh uh, com and it's stuck with me ever since. Um, but Big Kitty Labs, yeah, I mean, we're on web. We're based here in Columbus, Ohio. We're basically a digital software agency focusing on startups and basically anyone who's building uh, uh, mobile applications or enterprise applications or websites, uh, internet things. We've done everything across the gambit. Um, yeah. Awesome. Great. It's great. Well, we, we like to jump into you really quick and yeah. kind of get your backstory as far as yeah, my backstory. where so, you are now and, and how you got there and all that. Yeah, so um, I'm the uh, the youngest of six Cool. here in Columbus, Ohio. I went to Waterson High School. Uh, I never did any college. Um, basically did Life 101, study of work. Um, did a little post-production video. Uh, then I worked about... Seven years in Japanese animation. That's kind of a cool thing most people don't know. Jeez. And then I got about 12 years of design, uh, product design and user experience design research. Um, and then I got into startups mostly because I just wanted to build stuff. And then I uh, started Big Kitty Labs in 2009 after going to the first startup weekend that came to Columbus in 2008. Uh, I didn't know a soul. I walked in there and pitched a crazy idea involving Mechanical Turk. Um, walked out of there with 50 grand on Sunday. Jeez. Uh, and what? 10 co-founders, which I recommend never, no one, please don't ever do that to yourself. <laughs> uh, and then um, that company uh, was basically doing mobile research on the uh, iPhone had just come out. And I uh, was doing research at the time, and I felt like mobile research was going to be the next big thing. Uh, I was probably four, about three years ahead of that. Um, and it crashed and burned. We, uh, you know, we raised money. We just did everything wrong. Uh, and I kind of bounced out of that with this notion that we need to focus on product first and building things first. And so I, uh, I started Big Kitty Labs as a spoof. And named it after my wife's cat, uh, <laughs> which is this really beautiful, like, Russian blue big cat that I just met her. Um, and this cat was just beautiful, but if you tried to pet it, it would rip your hand off. So I had to pet <laughs> it with, like, a, an oven mat for so long. <laughs> so I just named this thing like Big Kitty Labs. I wanted the labs. But I love that you were so determined to pet it. You made sure to have like <laughs> oh, I a had defense. Another, I did. Like, I really great. want to pet you. Oh, yeah, so and I'm gonna figure out a way it. to do it. Yeah, it was a beautiful There's cat. so much in that story. Yeah, that you could, yeah, yeah. Uh, way so, to go. Resiliency. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's what it is. It's like I'm gonna pet this cat. Come back over here. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, and I think the um, you know focus of Big Kitty has always been um, to to build things fast. And the labs was key because I, I we worked on sort of my own ideas first. Um, my partner, Tushar uh, Kokarni, who I met, he, I met him at that start weekend, and when I left, he was like, well, I'm going with you, so that's sweet. Uh, and we're, we're basically partners now in Big Kitty. We actually have a third partner that uh, lives in Ukraine. Um, and that's, you know, we, that's a long story on how we sort of figured out our developers. But um, it's been great. It's been a great ride since. That's so awesome. Cool. And you mentioned Mechanical Turk yeah. there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of our listeners that have no idea what it is, but yeah. would s benefit so much from yeah. knowing it because it's such a simple way to get sort of, um, yep. well, you just tell us. Well, yeah, so, so I think what people have to remember is, is that everything that we see today has been built on something else. So, you know, like a lot of times I think people, when they look at Facebook, they think, oh, it's always been that version. You know, it's, that mm -hmm. version has been, you know, you're looking at the polished 
version 960 of something that used to suck. Yeah. And so Amazon had the same issue in that when Amazon first started their platform, they had a lot of products, but they didn't have a lot of data around those products. And so what they did is they built their own system that leveraged their own users, their own customers, to basically inform them on, um, I'm going to show you 20 images. You tell me which one's a house. Okay? And they pick out the house. And then they started doing it with maps. They would show people a bunch of maps, a bunch of intersections, and say, identify the sidewalk, identify the lamppost. So these users would do that, and they would get paid very small amounts. And they did this internally for themselves just to make the shopping experience better for people. And then, like Amazon, very early on, was like, hey, let's just turn this wild to the public. And, like, let them screw with it. Right? <laughs> and so that's what they did. They opened this thing up. They didn't really publicize it for a long time. Um, but you could go on there, and you'd have access to literally, you know, probably 4,000 people who would do a task for a nickel. And they would mm. generally do very small things, like identify or tag objects. Um, very big in transcription. Someone would upload an audio file and say translate it into English or translate it into Spanish. That was probably the lion's share of the business. Um, I kind of I stumbled upon it when I was working in research for a company called Lextant, which my brother run, runs here in Columbus. And, um, What's that business? It's called Lextant. Lextant. Uh, it's, um, and he does a design research firm. So he works with like Fortune 500 companies and... And I, I learned a lot there, and I ended up sort of being a uh, what I would call a tools guy. I would, you know, researchers would go out in the field and tell me a crazy request, like, we got to film, you know, all night at night and take notes upside down. I'd be like, okay, we got to figure out, here's how we do that, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff, which is how I kind of got into building things uh, really fast. Um, so working there, I wanted to sort of play with if the Turks, mechanical Turk users could be used in research. Like, could they... You know, could they analyze data? Could they uh, create personas? Could they, you know, do all, do all kinds of crazy stuff. So I started just doing a series of experiments. I actually did a presentation that's on SlideShare. You can find it called the $5 Experiment. Um, yeah, I think it's called the $5 Experiment. I might have to get the right name, but I'm on there as Dan Rockle. You can find most of my SlideShare stuff on there. Um, but I basically did, a, like, a series of studies with $5. And cool. just sort of experiment and see what people would do. Yeah. They wouldn't get paid five dollars. That, that would be my budget. I'd, okay. I'd pay forty people, you know, a nickel each to do X, you know. Yeah. Um I did a really cool project called Brand Ransom on there where I had mechanical Turks users go out um and basically rearticulate uh an experience with a brand that sucked hmm. and and then articulate it in a ransom note. So, <laughs> so I, I love the name. I, I pointed people toward this ransom note generator where they could write a ransom note and That's they could great. pick a random image in the background. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to see what that would create. But there's, you know, we had these great ransom notes. Like we had these people say, I remember one guy wrote this one that was like, "Hey KFC, your brand new your, your brand new chicken sandwich fell apart on my, you know, because you know <laughs> those chicken sandwiches like they're crazy. They're not they're stacked incorrectly. So he he wrote this huge tirade against KFC. Another person complained about Walmart or Starbucks, and they're written in these crazy, you know, like block letter cutout yeah, <laughs> ransom yeah. notes. Those are really cool. I thought that would be a cool coffee table book. Um, yeah, that's a cool. That's a yeah. Sweet so idea. we just did a lot of cool experiments with Turk. So that's very neat. I, I think that. Um, in terms of you being a startup engine yeah. and, and what Big Kitty offers to yeah. Uh, startups, yeah. how do people, wh what stage of the process do people find you and then what do you do to help them get to the next stage? Yeah, I, th I like to think, uh, this is probably cocky, but I like to think the problem with most startups is they don't get to be first. Um, in the sense that I, I think the earlier I can get to a startup, the more I can help. 
Um, and that's really across a number of, a number of things. One, um, I'm a pretty good super connector and connecting them with lots of other sort of folks that you know, could probably help them, everything from VC to, to other developers to other, you know. I feel like in Columbus, there's like, there's like 25 people that you probably need to meet, you know. Um, and it doesn't mean that your idea sucks at the end. It just means that you need to go through the gauntlet. Like we all kind of need to earn it, I think is kind of the, the thing. And, and it's, it's important to listen to folks. But um, yeah, generally, if I can get to people sooner, that's, that's better. Because uh, I'm, I'm big on concept. I'm big on ideation. And then, of course, I'm all about speed. The number one thing that really drives Kitty is, is speed in the sense that, you know, if I meet somebody and they tell me they've been working on a business idea for more than nine months, I tell them, throw it away. You're done. Oh, wow. You know, you need to, what you should be thinking about is how you can think about, you know, four ideas and try to figure out which one is going to get traction in 90 days. And then that has, that's the one you should probably pursue if you can make it go or whatnot. Um, but I do, I, you know, I'm big on ideation. And then of course our core team does, you know, app development and everything else. So it's always about speed. Um, and do you help. say that with the speed yeah. because of the yeah. nine months, because things are just being created so well, quickly? Well, just because at nine, see, I think at nine months you spent seven months too long on it, mm, sure. <laughs> and that, and and you're you're at the point where you're trying to uh, justify your time and engagement in the thing that's, that's not working yet. Sure. And I think that the other delusion is is that you know you're working on an idea. Congratulations! There's another 900 people. Right. probably within 300 miles of where you live, they're working on that same exact idea. That have already met the people they need to meet. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And either have been either more humble and to accept the knowledge or they've, you know, I mean, perception is reality in this business. Like, yep. you know, uh, you know, I meet entrepreneurs who think like, yeah, I worked eight hours. I'm done today. I'm like, well, that's your reality. Yeah. I mean, I meet entrepreneurs that believe that there's 90 hours in a day, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's like, uh, and I think, you know, you know, an idea will die if you stop caring about it. Uh, it's the same, in the same respect, um, you know, work will take all of your soul. Uh, so it's, it's uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, is, it's like, it's an awesome mad rush. And you're also like the craziest person on the planet. You know? it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I lived with a, a woman who's still one of my best friends yeah. and she was manic depressive. And oh, yeah. I, uh, she's been very public about her illness, but it's one of those things where, uh, you're literally with somebody, and one day you're thinking, why Why do I hang out with mm. you? You are mm. such a downer. And the next day, you're bouncing off walls mm. and, uh, you know, running through the streets. Oh, yeah. And I feel like, you know, you yeah. had mentioned a little bit off air about that, that the highs and lows of entrepreneurship yeah. is something a lot of people don't talk about. Yeah, most people like don't talk about it at all. They love right? talking about yeah. fails yeah. and successes, yeah. and everybody needs to fail, yeah. but they don't mean, and also when you fail, you'll also want to not wake up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one says like, hey, when you're failing, try to do it with tequila or vodka instead of right, meth. Don't try it. Don't do meth. When you only have $5 left, try well, not to use it on a balloon of heroin. Yeah, well, what's, see now, so what's, so what's about, I mean, it's about me about on um, this story is that, you know, I ran Big Kitty as a side project for six years while I worked full-time job. I, you know, I worked at Lexton. That's when I started Big Kitty. And then I most recently worked at Ohio State in their intellectual property division, working on taking their intellectual property to market. And I got the job at Ohio State because of what I did at Kitty. They wanted me to re recreate Big Kitty at Ohio State. Um, and I did aspects of that until the bureaucracy arrived and everyone died. But um, <laughs> but uh, bureaucracy is the, the biggest. Yeah, you know, this can be just, the biggest things, killer. Things change, but yeah. But what was interesting is I was doing talks on entrepreneurship and startups without really taking the full leap yet. 
Oh, I had the benefit wow. of sort of of analyzing and talking to a, a lot of people. I, I would meet entrepreneurs all the time that were like, yeah, I got a runway of, you know, eight months left and then I'm dead. I'm like, oh, great. I love the cheese fries. It's like, you know, it was a weird time. Uh, but now I think in doing it myself, it's been, uh, I have a much more appreciation for what they were going through. You know. Which that's was, excellent. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, because you can kind of speak to where they, you've been there. You know. Yeah, so, I mean, now I've got, I was telling like, a friend the other day when I when I first dived in, and, and it's been great. It's going, going really well. But I, I told him I was like, I understand. You know, that whole like work hard, play hard. Like I understand mm-hmm. that now much better. I also understand things like you know maybe I should get a chimp. You know, Jackson had a chimp. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, he's like, did it, but did it, that's the did it work out for him? Because there was that lady that also had a chimp and it ripped her friend's face yeah, off. Yeah, now that's, yeah. I mean, that was, that was a big chimp. I'm talking about a smaller chimp. <laughs> oh, I hear they gouge out the eyes first. Like right. a friend's yeah. chimp, like a, right. a Ross chimp. Yeah. 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 That's well, not even think, a chimp. I think way cooler than a, a parrot. Right. I think when you become an entrepreneur, there's a certain, there's like this big part of audacity that you can take on. And the the more you can, like, enable your audacity to do things and the more they can manifest things, you get, you get kind of high on that, on that, like, whoa, I can make something happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's like the cool, you know, rush about it. It's the same part of sales and everything else. So, but you start, start to see a lot of weird things when you really start going at full time. I, I, I love hearing this part of it too. Just all and you, Matt and I have talked about it before in terms of everybody's looking for those tools or those connections, like those people you oh, can yeah. get into yep. and, uh, how to connect yourself to those people. It's funny because yeah. people have asked me, who should I talk to in Columbus? Yeah. I'm like, um, well, follow these 15 people on Twitter, and yep. within a week you will know all those 25 people. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they mention them, yeah. they say, I'm going to this event where this person's yeah. speaking. Find yeah. those people and attach yourselves to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And don't ask for permission. I mean, I always tell the story. Uh, a couple years ago we did a startup weekend, and I remember there was a team, there's two kids that came over from Singapore, and they were here um, for classes at Ohio State, and they jumped on a startup team. And one of the, you know, on classic startup weekend, we're like, get out there and make sure you talk to the, you know, the person who's got the most authority in your space. This, this Chinese kid goes all the way to, like, limited and says, I want to talk to the CEO. I need to talk to him right now, <laughs> right now. for this thing. He's like, he just, he didn't know any better. Yeah. And, of course, he gets a meeting with the CEO, and the CEO, <laughs> like, tells him, like, this is how you build a product. Oh, my gosh. And it was just, great. it was a great, you know, because there's so many people who are like, I, like, I really want to know who to talk to, but... They're like they're right there, but they won't cross the. They won't yeah. actually take the few t- steps and look like an idiot, right? And ask. Whereas like, this guy didn't know any better, right? He didn't know the norms of what he could and couldn't do. He was so naive, right? That it was it a, worked a in help. his advantage. Yeah, yeah. and I that's just love so that story. Huge. That's huge. Because uh, yeah. I do meet a lot of people who are kind of they could be standing right in front of the person that could help them, right? But they won't have the courage to look like an idiot and ask. And right. I'm like. That's like the first thing you gotta do is like just be okay with looking like an idiot. Yeah, you're get gonna over look like yourself. an idiot so much. Yeah, right? you know what I mean. The same thing when you pitch Huge. VC. You know, you're gonna get turned down 700 times until you get a yes. Yeah. So it's like, and no one really wants to wake up and go like, can't wait to wake up. Let's fail today. Like, you right, know, right, right, right. No one wants to do that. But, yeah. But I think you have to you have to learn resiliency um, early on and and really work at it. You know, so. That's awesome. And and one thing you were saying about we were talking off air and yeah. recently about the ups and downs is yeah. that uh, as an entrepreneur with a product or an idea or service or whatever yeah. you have, you're the visionary. Yeah. So no one's 
what I found is people aren't going to get exactly yeah. the vision of what yeah. how you see it. Like I have this idea for a yeah. show or this product yeah. or whatever, and they're like, and you're like, well, okay, you know. Yeah. And uh, John Maxwell, who I, who I love, he talks yeah. about uh, 21 Year Futabal's leadership. He talks about the law of buy-in. So mm-hmm. if people buy into you as a person, yeah. they're going to buy into your product. Yeah. You know. So yeah. they're like, I kind of hate that guy. Like, well, you're not going to get any money, yeah. you know, or investment yeah. from him. Exactly. But, but you have to be the visionary, and and it's yeah. a lonely road because yeah. you're like, I believe in this product. I know it in my bone marrow that this is yeah this can work yeah. you know but yeah you can get discouraged because you don't have it necessarily the people that are going to get it just like you they're gonna be like well that's that's cute you know yeah. that's good for you yeah. you know you're like you don't understand this you yeah know? it's kind of like you, you make a trailer for a movie and then you have to like take out you know you make a two-minute trailer and you take out 45 seconds randomly that's really what they get. Yeah. So they get like, yeah, it's great. You know, someone ran it, oh, car crack, there's none. They're like, I, I have no idea what I saw <laughs> what there. Is that's, this? that's literally what the translation of the pitch is yeah. like. Yeah, and there's excitement, right. and there's explosions, <laughs> exactly. and you're excited. Right, and, right, but, yeah. right. Um, that's, I, that's, a, that's a cool thing. I mean, a lot of times with folks, we'll talk a lot about sort of like, what are the elements, or what are the signs of traction? I like to think mm. I like that, too. What's a, like, I don't know, I use a lot of this. My verbiage always is kind of around speed and momentum and... You know what's? How do you know if you if you're actually alive or not? That's another big problem with entrepreneurs. Mm. A lot there's a lot of dead men walking around, right? Yeah, um, that's good. And you know, and there's of course there's the whole entrepreneur space, which is also part of the eco- ecosystem as well. Mm. One entrepreneur. Oh yeah, and the entrepreneurs. It's the romance of the startup, you know. Oh it's sure. The romance of that. Even startup is the wrong word. Yeah. Because most of us are working on projects. We yeah. don't really have a startup until. The thing actually figures out how to make money, and, and then it's like you wake up and go like, "Dude, I put a dollar in there, and there was nine this morning. Something is going on. <laughs> like, yeah. Now you're on to something, you know." What I mean? Yeah. But yeah. before that, you're kind of like, I don't know. I I think about some ways. I like to run, even with Big Kitty. I like to run out like a record label. Like, okay, we have we have artists, and then we have tracks, and then it's just about producing the sound, producing mm. the product. That's good. Um, and, I think so much of it you know, is opportunity. A lot of people think entrepreneurs are people that are like passionate about that thing their whole life. And then this moment comes when they can align the dots of like money and partners and yeah. now they're able to be successful. But yeah. the truth is yeah. that oftentimes what happens is your uncle says, hey, yeah. do you want to buy my truck? Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I guess I could run a trucking company. Yeah. And now you're an yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, or uh, Claire yeah. Coder, who we talked to earlier, yeah. you know, she's at a startup weekend. She yeah. needs a tampon. She goes, why aren't tampons everywhere? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I should have a tampon company. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that's not a yeah. thing. When she was in high school making badges yeah. and, and buttons, she wasn't thinking one day I'll be a tampon yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that yeah, what it's yeah. called? Yeah, it is now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A, a, ma- a maxi padista. But, it, but what, Hashtag. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I can just feel a whole group of people don't so, like us right now. But <laughs> it's fine. You should have heard the conversation earlier. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about menstruation. But listen, I, I think that the, yeah. the important thing to note is that like you said, you might have four things going, yeah. and uh, if you, it's much better to bet on five horses in the Derby because yeah. one of them will probably win, yeah. Yeah. as opposed to putting all your money into one horse and yeah. hoping and crossing your fingers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the other thing too is that a lot in the startup space, we we celebrate the entrepreneurs, but we don't really celebrate the guy that's got the Chinese franchise across the street or the guy that's got the Mexican restaurant who knows more about overhead. Uh, you know, customer demand and you know, churn, hiring. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah the, the dynamics of the business are simpler, 
but they're also like they're burning like they're they're paying re like uh you know uh, a retail establishment is you know real estate is the biggest burn of all most most startups are you know can i afford my internet connection <laughs> that's all they're paying for you know what i mean yeah so um there's just there's a lot to learn from a lot of sources and then of course i think there's a big there's a big thing for focus that's probably where i suck the most i always hate i, I have so many friends are like do you need to focus i'm like tell me the focus is just <laughs> I mean, I hate that. It's yeah. like an offensive word, but I mean, I get it. And I think of micro focus, um, you know, thinking about, you know, still doing a lot of things, but maybe they all should be focused on this one trajectory. Uh, why not? When but, you think about, uh, you talked about the pitch yeah. and what people have to, yeah. what entrepreneurs need to do when they say to people tonight, there's the pitch competition yeah. just in a couple hours. Yeah. And we've talked to a couple of the pitch uh, oh, contestants. Cool. And there's $50,000 on the line. Yeah. They're talking to some people who have lots of heavy pockets. Yep. And what is your advice to people who are pitching yeah. in an environment like that? It's not necessarily sitting down at yeah. a meeting that they got. <laughs> it's sort of like, I yeah. put together this idea, and now they're going to let me pitch in front of them. Yeah. What's your advice to them? Yeah, so my big thing on pitches, you know, I've been an organizer on uh, Wake Up Startup for five years now. And so I've seen a ton, a ton, a ton of pitches. Um, uh, to me, short, like one, you know, people, I think, listen to you, not your, not your presentation. So, mm. you know, I think you should assume that you have no slides and you're still pitching. So if your slides kind of help you, that's cool. But assume that there's no slides. Two, I think the pitch has to be really precise. Like it should be seven slides or whatever. You know, anytime someone's like, I'm going to have 45 page slide deck, I'm like, I'm going to go to sleep. I just don't want to hear that pitch. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is that I think for if always listen to what the questions are from the uh, judges. To me, that's the, that's the most richest material you can get out of the pitch, uh, is that, you know, watch someone else pitch and then listen to the questions and hear what, you know, if there's a pattern amongst business model, there's a pattern on question adoption, is there a pattern around, you know, cost of customer acquisition, all that kind of stuff, where's that pattern? And then be ready for it. I think you should anticipate your holes. Um, one of the things I always like to ask teams is, is like giving your pitch cool. Okay, now cross-examine it. What's wrong with your concept? You know, hmm. force them to cross-examine their own thing and admit you're like, yeah, well, it doesn't really work. Okay, great. So now <laughs> we've established where you suck. Right now, <laughs> let's get ready for how you defend that position. You know why? You know, yeah. um, I think if there's a team pitching, you make sure that one person speaks. You don't transfer the mic back and forth between three people because you're in three minutes. You're gonna have. One person's quiet, the other one person's loud, and then you know the person didn't hear anything. Um, you know, always try to. It's it's to me pitching is a confidence game. You got to be just wildly confident about the fact that you're just absolutely next. And speak and, with you know, confidence because these yeah. people that are you're asking you're asking mm. for them yeah. to give up money they've earned sure. through making smart investments sure. and they're hoping you're the next smart investment yeah. Yeah. but if you don't look smart yeah. <laughs> you're not well, going to be invested right and right. really the best thing too is that you don't want their money the best pitch is you don't want their money the best pitch is like look i'm building this thing it's so badass yeah it's gonna make money tomorrow i'm here with you guys you guys all seem like nice people but i'm gonna just rock this thing i don't really need your money but I respect entrepreneurship. I want to come and let you know what I'm doing. And then, like, the, min the minute you, like, don't take investment, that's when all investment is like, that guy doesn't need our money. We're going to give him our money, right? I'm serious. Yeah. I, mean, I really feel like, especially in the Midwest, especially in Columbus, the more you don't need money and the more resilient, like, the more you don't need money and the more you actually make noise in the space of entrepreneurship and startups, the more likely you'll get money because you're showing that 
sort of defiance of the odds. And if you're a VC in town, you're looking for someone that you don't have to baby. You babysit. You don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to worry about your cash, and you and you don't want to necessarily throw it into Netflix, unless you know you could. You want to be a part. I think that's what that's what you know the, the people that put this event together, and the people that do VC in the area, and I want them all to do it more really. Um, but and even for what I do, I mean, there's a lot of times we'll help entrepreneurs get started, very minimally cost or whatever. But it's to be a part of where they could be, so that you can be a part of them. Even if you don't have equity and all that kind of stuff, because that gets messier later on. The whole equity is a whole other sham. You know, I got 4% on the company. Well, you do now until they raise money, and congratulations, now you have, like, six gummy bears in this chair. Like, you got totally screwed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, there's a lot of manipulation that goes on on that front. But it's about being part of where the whole scene is going. And you do that because it's a personal quest within yourself. It's not... That's the way I look at it. I look at, you know, the 40-some companies that I've been a part or been a, been a I, Like, when they get acquired and they get sold, that, that makes me shiny. I can tell somebody that. Yeah. I built their cool. product. They went on there. And then Lego bought them. Sweet. That's my tail or whatever. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're kind of rounding third here, but I yep. want to get just kind of some closing thoughts. I was going sure. to ask you my, my prepared question was, what yeah. advice would you give entrepreneurs? But you kind of, the whole episode was yeah. that, which was awesome. <laughs> I was like, yes. I'm good. not even going to ask it. All right, go. Um, which I appreciate it. But sure. just kind of uh, closing thoughts, yeah. things you found in your field and just in your lifetime, thing, you know, oh, words wow. of wisdom, we'd love to hear um, more. You've already given us a ton of well, wisdom. We talked yeah. about what people should do. Yeah. What, are, what are like two or three things people should not do? Like, should not don't do. waste your time doing this. Yeah. I think, I think that people should think uh, think of it, what they're working on as a project and not a startup. I okay. know this is startup week, but I think they, um, I think when you think about things as a startup that aren't really a startup yet, you're putting extra weight. Like you're already putting the suit and tie on, not realizing that if you were just in khakis and focused like on the beach, you'd be just as fine. Right? So it's <laughs> like, so like do that. Second is, I think, you know, a lot of my friends would probably debate this, but, you know, a lot of people are like, raise the bar. My bar is like on the floor. Like if I wake mm. up and care about what I'm doing, I'm like, woohoo, high five, <laughs> right, you know? Um, Love it. I think that, um, I think people need to definitely network more. And I think that, you know, once I met, so it's an interesting tale. Uh, I had a friend of mine who's like, I need you to mentor my 16-year-old kid who's trying to do startups. I'm like, okay, so I go to this coffee shop and I talk to this kid. This kid has read every marketing book possible, every startup book possible, telling yeah. me how things should work, <laughs> telling me how Sap Snapchat told, stole his idea and everything. It's just, oh. he Wait, was like, Snapchat stole his idea? Oh, yeah, oh. absolutely. I mean, that's usually I the heard first about thing that he, story. Yeah, I read it in but, the WSJ. So, you, you know, so I had, you know, I had to sit there and listen to all this. And I, like, two things are going through my head. Like, the first thing was like, how do I bring to the parents that, you know, this kid has got... You know, early onset, you know, douchebaggery going on. Like, this, this, is, this is going down the path. I'm not a doctor, but uh, yeah. I can like, see I, the case. I don't want to break it to you, but your kid's going on the path. It's going to annoy every person on the planet. It's a pre-existing condition. But, yeah, yeah, he's wearing oversized yeah. ties and right. popped collars. So, Lost baby. But, it, you know, so I was like, look, you got all the jargon down. This is great. But yeah. you, you don't know anything yet. And I think it's good. And so the biggest thing I did is like go and go and do something for somebody else and ask for nothing, almost like the Fight Club mentality of like, go out and get a fight and lose, right? Yeah. Because it's like if you can do that, one, you learn the humility yourself. Two, I think everyone needs to work on a portfolio. That's something that's a big problem in Columbus, mm. especially for if you're a designer, or you're a programmer, or you're a marketing, whatever. You don't have enough examples that show that you can do that, and so everyone's waiting for to get paid for that. 
Sure. You don't get paid for that. Yeah. You don't get like you don't get paid to, ha- to be passionate. That's on you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you like, if you want to be known for product design, start doing product design and do it for companies and, and not get paid for it. Just yeah. show them what you can do. That's great. Um, I think that. Uh, I think there's a lot of talent in Columbus who wants to go that direction. And I also think that not everyone has to be an entrepreneur. Like, mm-hmm. go and find the right company to join. Sure. You know, even like, like Matt Strickland, you know, covered by Meds years ago. I loved it. He was at a conference and he said, you can start a startup and fail or you can join me. You know, I was, uh, I was like, all right, there's two options out there in Columbus. That's great. I can either work for covering my meds or I could die. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, I think in the end he was, he was still pretty correct. Because yeah. he actually created an environment that an entrepreneurs would want to go work for him. Yeah. And they would do their entrepreneurship within his unit. And, cool. you know, his unit has, like, a product development unit that inspires that. And I think that, that inspiration kind of leaked over into other places. You know, Cardinal's now doing that. A lot of other design companies are doing that. Most Fortune 500 companies are trying to acquire entrepreneurships to pull that into their own units. That's great. So they can pull that out. So, well, first it'd be like in a fireball offense. It'd be like, whoa, wait, wait, what are you? You, you shouldn't be having your own ideas. Yeah. You know, you're an employee, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, that's the paranoid version. So, but I don't think the cover of is like that. I think, sure, sure. you know, I think uh, every person in the company that can like, you can always step up to the plate. That's one thing I liked about Ohio State. For as large as it is, you know, they're always willing to be open to what could happen. Um, and I think people have to keep that mentality, you know? Yeah. You, you, everyone's possible. But it's on you to actually step forward and, and do it. So that's awesome. Go. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Dan, great. Great, great Dan, uh, plugs again for yes. how people find you with Big Kitty. Yeah, find yeah. me online, uh, Dan at BigKittyLabs.com. That's my uh, email address. You can find me online, uh, www.BigKittyLabs.com. You can find me at Speak on Twitter. Uh, accept cash, credit, <laughs> love it. Bitcoin. I love it. We'll put some uh, links in the show notes. Anything. So you can pay us in margaritas. Question, uh, yeah. what type of cat was the cat that you were trying you know, to pet? It was just, I always called a Russian blue. My wife's always like, it's not a Russian blue. It's like a generic a generic blue, <laughs> generic. whatever that was. Okay. But uh, unfortunately, uh, and it was named, they thought it was a boy. They called it Otis, and then they found out it was a girl, so oh. we called it Odie. Odie. You okay, know? that was my next uh, question because yeah, I was yeah. like, what's the name? That's it has so much fur. Yeah. Yeah, you just yeah. don't know. It gets confusing. Yeah, so I understand. Confusing. Yeah, and for awesome. the longest time, Mickey's like main logo was basically this cat, that cat sitting on the couch, and there was a huge Obey Giant poster behind it that said Obey. That was our logo. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. yeah, that was that's our awesome. that was our mantle for a long time. Yeah. So very cool. Well, this has been great. Thank awesome. you so much. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you. I love talking to Dan. That was such a great interview. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Here's the cool thing. If you go to patreon.com forward slash entrepreneurs podcast, you can become a supporter and hear these first. If you sign up just for a dollar, five dollars, we got some great rewards as we go on. In fact, if you start giving us those higher level of support, you can become an honorary producer and actually come up with content and questions that we ask our interviewees. We've got some awesome interviews coming up and I don't want you to miss out. Be the first to find out. Patreon.com slash entrepreneurs podcast. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash entrepreneurs podcast. Check it out.